0: Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items. And never fear, there's nothing here that bites. Hard anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. So delighted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper. Chris Baker and today I have something for you to ponder. If you'll look over here at this collection, this just came in a collection from a particular enthusiast from the Amazon jungles of Peru. It is a collection of spiders. These deceased specimens have been pinned and framed and put on display like this one here, the ghost sack spider. Unlike some specimens, this one featuring a very vibrant and bright coloring. Over here you'll see the wandering spider, the two-tailed spider, the lynx spider, and the nursery web spider. Over here is a beautiful specimen, the tortoise orb weaver. Stunning orangish-red and black display, mimicking that of a ladybug. This, of course, just a few of the specimens that we have on display here at the shop. But this reminds me of a story that we are going to talk about on today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new film, uh, Madam Webb. So, <laughs> Madam Webb, oh wow, Have there have been a lot of opinions out on Madam Webb even before the movie... <laughs> hit theaters on Valentine's Day of all day. You know, usually, I remember growing up back in the day, new movies usually came out on a Thursday. And you still get that from time to time, but most of the time, movies now are released on a Friday. Leading into the weekend, uh, a little closer to the weekend, I I don't know what the reasoning behind all that is, but this was actually released on Valentine's Day, February the 14th, on a Wednesday, which I thought was kind of odd when I was going through my planner and putting the release dates of all the movies that uh, I I wanted to see or thought I might be talking about at some point. I saw this on Wednesday. I was like, well, this has got to be a typo. This has got to be like wherever site I get my movie releases from, they must have put the wrong date. But no, it released on Wednesday, Valentine's Day, February the 14th. And this just one of the red flags that came up with this movie. Of course, this is Sony's latest attempt at doing a Spider-Man movie. Without Spider-Man. And just from Jump Street, this movie seemed like it had issues. Usually with movies, you get like two, maybe three trailers. With each successive trailer, you get different scenes or added scenes or, or little glimpses of more of the movie, the bigger picture of the movie. This only had one trailer. They released a trailer for this and then didn't bother cutting together any more trailers for Madam Web. Plus, there was a weird embargo on reviews. Now, a lot of times with different movies, you'll get reviewers giving you a spoiler-free review, usually like a week out, maybe a little further out, but but generally speaking, about a week out. uh, And that is it. They they get a screener, and then they're allowed to do a review on the movie after a certain date, but before the release of the movie, as long as it's spoiler-free. I don't do that because I really want to have the freedom to talk about the movie in spoiler terms. I try to give you a little bit of an overview of what I think of the movie without any spoilers. If that's your thing, you don't want anything spoiled for you, but I do want to talk about this movie. I don't look at these episodes of this podcast as reviews so much as a discussion about the movie, and I want to be free to talk about it as I will. So I usually just wait. I I put down my however many shekels, and I go watch the movie in the theater, And then I I come back and and talk about it. But this, uh, they had a review embargo up until the day before the movie. And that to me, and I think a lot of people, a lot of reviewers, a lot of commentators on movies, that threw up a red flag that this studio did not want anybody talking about this movie until like the very last moment. Because they knew they had a dud on their hand. And you add all these things together, only one trailer, the review embargo, uh, being released on a Wednesday. I'm sure there's somebody at Sony that thought, oh, uh, we'll release it on Valentine's Day because girls uh, and they're going to love it because of Barbie and girl power and fuck the patriarchy. I can see a studio exec at Sony saying that, but really, I don't know what sort of attempt that was. The fact that, you know, like I said, one trailer, review embargo up until the day before it's released. It's a February release. Dakota Johnson fired her agency a day after the trailer dropped. At first, I thought, well, that's probably just coincidence. Uh, you know, I'll give it all the benefit of the doubt. But after I've seen this movie and after I've watched some of the interviews that she's done for this movie. And now that I have the context of watching this movie, her reaction during those interviews and the fact that she fired her agency, that spoke volumes to me. Her agency came to her and said, hey, we've got a Marvel movie for you. And she's like, oh, Marvel, great. They they do they do big box office blockbusters and they make bank. And then after the fact, she found out that it wasn't Marvel Marvel. This was Sony Marvel. And <laughs> I'm sure somebody had to do some apologizing for that. But just given by some of the interviews that she's done, she's not happy with this. And and understandably so. Now, you'll get a lot of reviewers saying this movie is trash. It's a big dumpster fire. And I'm not going to say they're wrong. I didn't feel it was that. There's a lot of reviewers and commentators out there saying this is worse than Morbius. It's not worse than Morbius. It's better than Morbius. Not much better, but it is better than Morbius. And after watching this movie, I came away from it thinking, eh, it's alright. It's not a good movie. It's got some good points, which we'll talk about once we get into some more spoiler territory. But it was okay. Uh, I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't hate it. I won't say it's a bad movie. But, geez, I'm really being generous not saying it's a bad movie. Just for the sheer fact that it's written horribly. And again, we'll get into things more in the spoiler territory. I don't want to spend too much time talking about this in terms of not spoiling anything, because if you're going to watch this movie, you're going to go watch it. If you're not going to watch this movie, you don't give a shit one way or the other, because public opinion has already probably told you that this is a trash movie, and I'm not saying public opinion is wrong. I had a a bit of a different viewing experience, but it's not much more forgiving than that, so uh, go check it out. Like I said, it's got some good points, the acting, I think, isn't bad. I, I think as much as I've heard some people say they think Dakota Johnson did a fine job, some people say she's just phoning this in. I don't think that. I think she did a fine job. She did a lot better than I was expecting Dakota Johnson to do. Adam Scott is hes great in everything he does, and, and he's got a, a small role in this, but but an enjoyable role. And then of course you have the three young actresses, uh, Sydney Sweeney, Isabella Merced, and Celeste O'Connor. They all did a really good job. The characters are all one-dimensional, but they did a good job of what they were asked to do. But this movie reeked of a first-time future film director, even though S.J. Clarkson has has done a lot of work in TV. She's done a lot of work in Marvel TV. She's done a lot of stuff with the Netflix uh, Marvel stuff. And, and then I think she's a good director, but like I said, first-time feature film director, I'm guessing Sony bossed her around a lot. And I'm guessing there were things that she probably would have done different, but she didn't have the clout that she needed to be able to push back against a big juggernaut like Sony. So you have, I think, that sort of situation going on with the director. The screenplay is... I mean, it looks like this story was a shit show because the screenplay has four different writers credited to it and two of them are the guys that wrote Morbius, a movie that was bad. Uh, Again, it had some redeeming qualities. Matt Smith was really good in it, but it had a, a lot of things wrong with it and a lot of it had to do with the writing. But these guys are apparently guys that Sony knows uh, we can get them to write and they're going to do whatever we fucking tell them to. But you got them. You've got a couple other writers. The story has three names attached to it. So that tells me that this story went through a lot of revisions. Uh, the, The screenplay maybe didn't go through as many revisions, but just seems like there's a lot of fingers all in this, and too many cooks spoil the soup, as they say. So there's just uh, there's a ton of things going on with this that this film was doomed from the beginning. Me personally, I'm of the mindset that it probably all goes back to Sony, uh, because Sony doesn't give a shit about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They don't give a shit about Marvel. The comics or the characters. They don't give a shit about Marvel fans. All they give a shit about is money. And we'll talk a little more about that in the spoiler section. But from here on out, if you haven't watched Madam Web and you don't want anything spoiled for you, uh, good luck. Have fun. Don't say I didn't warn you that you may or may not be upset that you spent Good money on this movie. Uh, but I would never tell you not to see it because if you want to see it, if you want to see what all the fuss is about, whether it is good, whether it's not good, or whether it's just kind of meh, so so like I thought, uh, go watch it. But if you don't want to, if you don't want to waste your time or your money, we're going to talk about this. So I'm not going to go play by play, but we are going to talk about some of the more spoilery things. And if you have watched it, see. If you uh, agree with me. But from here on out, we're going to head into some spoiler territory. So, Madame Web, of course, based on the Spider-Man character, Cassandra Webb. I-, I mean, they did a lot of the benchmark things with her. In this, she's born with a particular disease. In the comic, she gets it later. But it causes her to go blind and paralyzed, which they pay off at the end. She has a tie to one of the Spider-Women in the comics. Which kind of leads to the tie with the the three Spider Women or future Spider Women uh, that we get in this movie, but her power of clairvoyance and precognition. Uh, they didn't go into the telepathy, but but essentially clairvoyance and precognition. She can see the future. So they hit some of the some of the points of Madame Web, and, and I'm not going to get too much in the differences between the comic book character and the movie character because. Uh, Essentially, Madam Web is a background character. Not a background character. I mean, she has some story arcs with Spider-Man, but she's not a main character in Marvel Comics. She's a supporting character. And where this movie tries to make her out to be a good guy and a hero, in the comics uh, and, and like on the animated series from the 90s, I always took Madame Web as not a good guy or a bad guy. She is just a character that can tell the future. She knows the future. She tries to guide people, and especially like Spider-Man, guide him on the path that she feels he should go. But it's not for good or bad. Bad intent, particularly. And that's where this character didn't really feel like the Madam Web that I remember reading in the comics decades ago or remember seeing in the animated series, again, decades ago. But the main crux of the story, the main bits of the story, it felt very much like Terminator. You have Cassandra Webb, played by Dakota Johnson, who can see the future. She sees that the Ezekiel Sims character, who isn't really a bad guy in the comics either, if I if I'm remembering correctly, he has some dealings with Spider-Man, but I, I don't remember it ever being in like an antagonistic way. But played by Tahar Rahim, and we'll we'll get into him uh, a little bit later, but. Cassandra Webb is seeing Ezekiel Sims killing these young girls and she's trying to to save them. Very much John Connor style from well, from Terminator 2, I should say. And I have to say, Sydney Sweeney, Isabella Merced, and Celeste O'Connor playing Julia Cornwell, Anya Corazon, and Maddie Franklin, respectively, uh, they all did a good job. These characters are like the Julia characters, sort of based on one of the Spider Women from the comics. The Maddie Franklin, that name is directly from the comics. Uh, I can't remember what Julia's name and the co- last name in the comics was uh, the Anya character. I don't remember her being a Spider Woman by name, but but all three of these characters play Spider women in this movie, sort of. And that's really what was kind of disappointing about this and and that's probably one of the problems I have with uh, Morbius is that you watch the Morbius trailer, And there's so many things. There's a Spider-Man poster on a wall with graffiti on it saying murderer. There was that line where Morbius is talking to the guy and he's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Venom and jumps at him and scares him and says, no, I'm Dr. Michael Morbius or whatever his name is. And, And it was kind of a funny moment. And all that stuff was in the trailer, none of it was in the movie. And you got that with this because in this movie, uh, the trailer for it, you saw heavily featured these three characters as the Spider-Women versions of themselves doing battle and, and it looked really cool and really superheroy and really action-packed. And unfortunately, that took up less than a minute of screen time because all of that was in a vision of the future that Ezekiel Sims had. We saw it one time and that was it. That is all we saw of these characters as the Spider-Women that would have made this movie a lot more interesting and a lot more feeling like a superhero movie. But yeah, you spend most of this movie, Dakota Johnson as Cassie Webb, taking these girls, uh, everyone thinks that she kidnapped them, and she disappears long enough for the bad guy Ezekiel Sims to show up, and then she shows back up just in time to stop him, usually by running him over with a vehicle. They went to that well one too many times. But ultimately, like I said, I I really liked Dakota Johnson as this character. I, I don't think it was a particularly stunning performance, but I thought she did a fine job. I didn't have any problems with her character. I didn't have any problems with her portrayal of it. Uh, there were some scenes where she's just coming across as loosey-goosey. And and not like she's having fun with it. But like she's not getting too caught up in the horrible script. And just letting things roll. She felt very relaxed in this uh, I, I think is probably what I enjoyed most about it, if if that makes any sense. Uh, the three other girls, I thought they did a really good job, but these characters were all very one-note. I mean, they were stereotyped. One girl is the shy, reserved girl, even though she's wearing a very short skirt and kind of playing into some, somebody at Sony's schoolgirl fantasies. You have the one girl that's really smart and, and nerdy, and, and you have the one girl that she runs around with a skateboard, and she's a badass and she's got a smart mouth and flips people off. They just were all very one note. Uh, The characters were interesting at a base level and I wanted to learn more about them. I wanted these fine young actresses to be able to portray these characters and flesh these characters out and make them a little more two and three dimensional. But they just weren't allowed. It just wasn't written that way. Even the Cassandra Webb because she's kind of a grumpy, loner, cat lady, <laughs> just doesn't want to be a part of the group. And then by the end of it, she is taking these three girls in as their as kind of a surrogate family. And you really don't get anything that happens that pays that off other than the fact that she teaches them CPR and then they use CPR on her to bring her back at the very end. And that Is supposed to be the bonding moment that makes her decide that she doesn't want to be alone. She wants to have a family. And again, it's not the acting. It's not the portrayal of these characters. It's not even the characters itself. It's how these characters are written. Then you come to the Ezekiel Sims character. This was a shit show of a villain for this movie. And and I hate to say this because I'm not familiar with Tahar Rahim and his body of work. But I do know and I have heard that he, you know, he's an award nominated and an award winning actor. He's French. And, you know, he's done some things that I'm sure are are very good because you don't win awards. You don't get nominated for awards if you're not good at what you do. He just wasn't the right person for this. I, I don't know what the problem was. I think Part of the problem is, is that most, if not all of his lines were ADR'd and that's where they go in, in post-production and have the actor re-record their lines to match the scene. But that's the problem is half the time, like his mouth is moving, but those words aren't matching up. There was one scene where he's walking by the camera. Uh, There's somebody in the background, but it's more in focus on them. And he's in the foreground, not quite in focus. He's walking by, you see the silhouette of him where you hear the ADR lines being said, but his mouth is not moving at all. <laughs> and I'm like, are you fucking serious? Did they ADR everything? And and the ADR is bad because a lot of times, you know, ADR is something that's done in every movie. There's like a shit ton of Lord of the Rings work. Uh, if you watched any of the behind the scenes stuff and the commentaries and things like that, they did a lot of ADR but it was all done so very well uh, because you wouldn't know that to watch this movie because the the ADR dialogue matches up with the the image on the screen done masterfully. This was not done masterfully. and I, I think part of the problem is is like with Lord of the Rings, they make the 80-yard voice sound like it is in the environment in which they're in. Even when you don't have to match up the voice. And I I saw somebody talking about this, and I'm going to steal this analogy, but if you're watching like a Spider-Man movie where Spider-Man's doing flips and and swinging and and flying around New York City or or wherever, and he's always got... That's one of the hallmarks of Spider-Man is all those funny quick quips as he's doing his web-slinging thing. And you hear Tom Hollander or whoever, Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield, whoever happens to be playing Spider-Man, and you hear those ADR lines. Those are all ADR. It's not somebody in that suit or the uh, CG character that they've created doing those lines. That's that's additional dialogue that's recorded and But but you feel like they're in that. They're out of breath or they're, uh, you know, off in a distance. Where the ADR for the Ezekiel Sims character was so flat and so just like slapped on. And like they just didn't give a fuck of how this sounded. And there again, I don't know if that... I, I don't think that's the director. I think that is the studio. But even beyond that, this character is written one note... He's a very one-note bad guy, and and I'm not even sure why he's a bad guy. There's no motivation for him. We see at the beginning of this movie is off with Cassandra's uh, mother in 1973 looking for this spider, and that that was a whole other side story I'm going to talk about real quick before I might finish my thoughts on the Ezekiel Sims and Tahar Rahim performance of this. But uh, they're in the Amazon in Peru looking for this spider that has the ability through its venom to give people healing properties and superpowers. And there's this mythological people, the spider people that live here and they, they climb along the treetops and they have super speed and powers and whatnot. They're looking for this spider. Cassandra Webb's mother is looking for this spider. We don't know why. We think that she just has a spider fetish or something like that. We find out later that she was doing it because her daughter was born with a rare disease and she wanted to save her and and that revelation we'll get into a little bit later but when you finally see these spider people i mean their skin has like i don't know if it's supposed to be like a red paint on it or an orangish red paint and then they have these like dark viney things over them that they look like they're wearing spider-man costumes And it was so fucking ridiculous. Uh, The idea of this mythological spider people living in the treetops of Peru is kind of stupid to begin with. But then to make him look like Spider-Man was even more ridiculous and dumb. It, it, It looked bad. I mean, it's not even comic book kooky. It's just bad writing kooky but you have the ezekiel sims character with cassandra's mother and he shoots her because he wants the spider so he can make money off of it and then he does and he becomes very rich and wealthy he's obviously been bitten by the spider or extracted the venom and taking some sort of cocktail because now he has spider powers essentially spider-man powers and a suit to match for no fucking apparent reason why he looks exactly like Spider-Man, but who you know that it's Sony just trying to milk the Spider-Man teat without actually having Spider-Man in their movie. But he's having these futuristic visions, much like Cassandra, about these three spider women, the Julia, Anya, and Maddie characters, in the future killing him by throwing him out the window. Which is funny because he jumps down off a big tall skyscraper building towards the climax of this movie and it doesn't phase him. Uh, He just jumps down and does a superhero pose and falling out of a building didn't hurt him there. But he's afraid that they're going to kill him that way in the future. So before they can kill him, he's going to kill them. But that's the only real motivation you get. And it just is it's not strong. It it doesn't give me a why did they want to kill him? in the future. Just because he killed Cassandra's mom, well, revenge isn't a very superhero-y thing. They gave me no reason to hate this character other than he is generic bad guy who killed our hero's mom, and that's about it. You layer that on top of bad ADR and not very good acting, whether it's because of the ADR or or because of I, I don't know what. But Tahar Rahim, maybe a good actor, he just wasn't good in this. And I'm not sure who to blame. If it's him, if it's the directing, if it's Sony retweaking things with ADR and reworking his character through that. I, I don't know, but it just did not work. Another thing that didn't work, but I actually, I enjoyed it to a degree. But after a while, it just became like freaking Uh, enough already is the is he or isn't he ben parker with adam scott now i don't know about the end credits because i I wasn't paying attention to the cast list at that point Uh, i know on like wikipedia adam scott is credited as playing ben parker and i don't think or i don't yeah i don't think they ever actually said it in the movie they just called him ben he's cassandra's partner because they're emts in new york city And, and it was very funny because You know, she starts calling him Ben, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's all right. I think I heard Uncle Ben's supposed to be in this or or rumored to be in this. And then you look on his EMT, like, shirt, and you see a -A P-A-R on what looks like it could be a nameplate, but he's... He's wearing something like a strap over his shoulder and it's blocking out the rest. And you're like, oh, it is Ben Parker. But then he takes that off and you see later it just says paramedic. <laughs> and so uh, they did this whole kind of cock tease of is he, isn't he Ben Parker? Uh, you know, he's got a new girlfriend and oh, is it serious? Oh, yeah, it's kind of serious. What's her name? And he just kind of gives her a look and and never actually says the name which you're expecting it to be May. You see that his sister-in-law is is staying with him because his brother uh, Richard is off on a business trip and his sister-in-law Mary is pregnant, Richard and Mary, that's Peter Parker's parents, but she's pregnant and at the baby shower, they're playing guess the name of the baby and you're just waiting for somebody to say Peter before they cut away to some Madam Web vision or, or some nonsense like that. And even when they have the baby, again, it's, oh, what did you name it? And they, they cut away to another scene where you have the the three young girls with Madam Webb and talking about how Ben, oh, he's loving being an uncle, Uncle Ben, but saying something to the effect of, you know, he's he's loving being an uncle because he gets to have all the fun and none of the responsibility. And then Madam Webb gives this this knowing look of uh I can't remember what the line is, but uh essentially oh little does he know it's just like okay i I get it you want to make as many spider-man references in this because you can't technically use spider-man because you know sony and marvel had this sort of shared custody of spider-man right now but the whole like uh, just teasing that constantly was it got a little much it was a little overbearing just fucking say it or, or, or or don't put it in there at all and that was another thing uh they kept Teasing that whole line, that, that huge line from Spider-Man. I mean, it's it's in every Spider-Man movie. It's, it's from the comics. With great power comes great responsibility. That line that Uncle Ben tells Peter. Well, they tried to do kind of a riff off of that, but it just didn't work because they tried to turn it around where Madam Web is told, once she has great responsibility, she'll have power. It was just kind of... I'm like... Are you, did you really seriously say that? And they brought it up like a couple times after that. And even that line when the three girls are with Madame Webb in the hospital and they say that, you know, he's he's loving being an uncle because he gets to have all the fun and none of the responsibility. That was even a callback to that, I felt. But that, that whole with with great responsibility comes great power. It's just, they can't use the line or they didn't want to use the line. So they tried to do a reversal of it. It just was, it, it was fucking stupid. And there again, the major problem with this film is the writing. I don't want to blame S.J. Clarkson too much because, yeah, she is a first-time feature film director, but she has a a long history of directing some good television. Film and television are are two different things, but I think as a first-time feature film director, I think she was probably pushed around by Sony. Sony wanted a first-time feature film director because they wanted somebody that they could tell what to do and They have no choice but to do it, unfortunately. So I can't really blame Clarkson because I don't think it was the direction of this movie that was the problem. It was the writing. The laundry list of people who were involved in the screenplay and the story development just reeks of this story having too many fingers dabbling in and adding and subtracting to where you got to a point, this movie was quite dull. I wasn't I won't say boring. It was I never felt bored during this. I kept I think it was more of like, okay, where where is this going? Where is this gonna end up? When am I gonna see these these spider girls in action? Other than that one scene at the very beginning of the freaking movie. So I was never bored, but it was a dull movie. Because in spite of the fact that I thought the acting was was pretty good. Uh, Dakota Johnson and the three young actresses I thought did a well enough job. Uh, this it wasn't any action. It wasn't. Didn't feel like a superhero movie. You had a villain that didn't have any menace whatsoever. Was kind of boring. Had a kind of a knockoff dollar store Spider-Man look about him and his powers. He just didn't have any web shooters. And it was going from one scene to the next where Madame Web can leave the girls alone long enough for them to get noticed and get in trouble, and the bad guy shows up, and then she shows up to. Hit him with a car or an ambulance or some shit like that. The story had an interesting character. Even though Madam Web is a uh, a support character in the Spider-Man comics, I I can't even say really a secondary character. For me, she's always felt more like a tertiary character. But she is interesting. You had somewhere to go with that. You have these three young actresses, good young actresses, playing characters that are going to become Spider-Women. And you didn't really do anything with that. You spent this whole time, and I get it. It's an origin story but you didn't have to do so much to set up the origin. You could even forego the origin story and just plop us down in the middle of this. This isn't going to get a sequel. You may see some of these characters show up in some of the other Spider-Verse movies that they do, like Venom, or if Kraven gets another movie, or, you know, I we don't even know if the first movie's going to be worth it, but uh, you had some interesting characters that they just didn't do anything with. And like I said, it made for... Well, it wasn't a boring movie. It was a dull movie. And the writing from a story standpoint was not there. But even from a dialogue standpoint, I mean, the dialogue was just so atrocious. I mean, there were some scenes in this movie where these girls are going back and forth and sniping at each other. And it's supposed to be amusing and funny. And it just wasn't funny. There were scenes that had things that were supposed to be said that were jokes we we're supposed to get a laugh. And like, there was nothing funny about it. Even some of the like Prattfall style humor where Cassandra is going back to her home to look at her mother's old notes and finding about about the spider venom, giving spider powers. And she thinks she might have them because, you know, her mother was bitten by a spider when she was born. And that's how she ended up not having the disease that she had, and she tries to climb up a wall. Very reminiscent of, like, I'm not sure about the Andrew Garfield or the Tom Holland, but I know in, like, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, you know, that scene where he first realizes he can climb up, and it kind of reminded me of that, and then her just falling. Even that wasn't that funny. It was more almost like a cringe moment, like, ugh, why did they make this character look stupid like that? But yeah, there were just so many horrible lines in this movie and the ending of it reeked of Sony trying to squeeze an extra dime out of somebody because in this movie, the hero doesn't save the day. Pepsi saves the day because you saw so much Pepsi product placement in this movie. There was one scene where Adam Scott's Ben, Ben Parker character invites Madame Webb to his sister-in-law's baby shower. And he hands Cassandra a Pepsi. And she's like, oh, I've had a bad day. I thought I would at least rate it a beer. And he makes up some excuse about how you shouldn't have alcohol after uh, you have a traumatic experience. So he gives her a Pepsi to drink. And I kept waiting for her to say uh, something about it being the taste of a new generation. It was such obvious blatant product placement and then when you have that final scene where they're at this fireworks factory uh that's had a fire or something there before, but they left everything. Uh, apparently, all the old fireworks that are in this building that should be condemned, they're still there. But there's a big Pepsi sign up above this building. And Madame Webb did not lack the clairvoyance to know that uh, sooner or later, that P from the Pepsi sign was going to fall and crush our villain. So Madame Webb really doesn't save the day Pepsi and a falling pee from their sign is what destroys the bad guy. It was just horrible. It was like, you know, Sony, let's get Pepsi in there. We want a big Pepsi sign and the the P from Pepsi falls and and kills our bad guy. Put put that in the script because Pepsi's going to pay us big money for that. And that I think is ultimately the problem with Sony still having the rights to Spider-Man stuff. And that's why this movie was put out. Sony doesn't give a shit about Marvel. It doesn't give a shit about the MCU. It doesn't give a shit about Marvel Comics. It doesn't give shit about you, the Marvel fan. It sees dollar signs. And that's all Sony cares about is milking every last dime that they can out of the Spider-Man character's and stories that they have rights to. And if you know anything about movies, you know that in order for them to maintain these rights, they have to put out a Spider-Man movie or a movie with the characters whose rights they hold. They have to put out a movie in the Spider-Verse, if you will, every so often, or those rights revert back to Marvel. And they don't want to do that because it's one of the big cash cows they have right now are the joint... Disney, Marvel, Sony, Spider-Man movies. So they don't want to give up that. So they're going to put out shitty movies like this, like Morbius, that they don't give a fuck about. They don't give a fuck about putting out a quality movie for you, the moviegoer, that's gonna put down your hard-earned money because you wanna see the comic book characters that you loved as a kid or you love even now as an adult, uh, you wanna see those on the screen and, and they don't give a fuck about that. It really boggles my mind. And, and there again, it's I wish Sony would just give Marvel their fucking toys back. They don't give a shit. They obviously don't give a shit because they had a movie like Morbius that was horribly written and they got the same guys that wrote that to come in and write this or rewrite it or whatever the hell happened there. And, you know, as much as I want to I want to look forward to the Craven movie, I think that's, again, an interesting character. I think they're going to make him out to be more of a hero than a villain. And in the comics, and you know, I know there's some, some blurry lines, but the comic books I had with Spider-Man, Craven was a bad guy. And they're not going to do that. They're going to make it because they want to make anybody that they can make into a hero, a hero. And that's why you have the shit show ending of Morbius with that PS scene with the vulture saying, let's uh, form a team and we can do some good, that that fucking bullshit PS scene. And that's another thing. I don't know where I read it, but I thought I read somewhere that there was a PS scene of this movie. I sat through the credits and no PS and it's probably for the best because it probably would have pissed me off like the Morbius PS scene or mid-credit scene or whatever it was. But after the fact, it's like, uh, I could have just left and I sat here through all these credits. But that's how much Sony cares about this franchise, about Spider-Man and the rights they have to Spider-Man, is that they're just putting shit out just so they can retain the rights. And, and I want to be excited about Craven. I want to, you know, I was excited about this. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to give this movie a fair shake. I don't care what all the early reviews are saying. I don't care what all the early commentary says. I'm going to give this a fair shake, and I went into it fairly blind. I, I tried not to read anything or, or listen to anything other than I kept hearing how bad it was going to be, but uh, I, I didn't let that sway my opinion. I was going to take the movie on face value. And like I said, it's it's not that it's a horrible movie. I won't even say it's a bad movie, although it's teetering on it. It's got enough bad about it that if somebody said, no, you're wrong, it is a bad movie, I wouldn't argue against that. I thought it was an okay movie. I thought it was a meh movie. I won't say it's bad. Like I said, it had enough good going on for it. I thought the acting was pretty good. I thought it had an interesting enough story and interesting enough characters at their base that they just never fully fleshed out. And it did have some, like, feel-good moments, that moment where Madam Web kind of goes back in time through her webs or whatever, however you want to call that. But she has that moment with her mother where she realizes, you know, she's hated her mother, not hated her mother, but she's always wondered why her mother found going to Peru to investigate spiders and dying there more important than being there for her and finding out that she was going there to find a cure for her unborn baby. And that moment between those two, that gave me the feels, that you know gave me the warm and fuzzies, and that was a nice moment. That's the one thing about the writing that I think they did get right. They got the emotion of some of the scenes right. They got some of the drama uh, of the scenes, right? They just, there was no action. There was no bad guy with any real menace. There was no bad guy with any real motivation. There was no superheroes in this superhero movie. And I think that's what made this movie such a drag. And like I said, not a boring movie, but a dull movie. It was the fact that the writing was just so abjectly bad. And why was it that bad? Because Sony doesn't fucking care. All they care about is money. You, you can tell that just by... The rumors out there that Marvel and Disney want to do a new Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man 4, they want it to be a more street-level, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Spider-Man fighting bad guys in the streets of New York City. Uh, there's a lot of rumor that they want to have Kingpin be the big bad guy with Vincent D'Onofrio. And, of course, Charlie Cox's uh, Daredevil probably making an appearance. And, and I, I like that. I want to see that. I want to get back to, like I said, that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. We've had too much Spider-Man where he's off saving the universe and going to outer space, and he's wearing a Stark Tech uh, Iron Spider suit. And it just, it's not the Spider-Man that I know and love. At least not the Spider-Man from like that first movie. And and that's what I want. I wanted to get back to that. And I'm I'm really excited about that movie. But Sony, uh, it's rumored that they're having a bit of a dispute with Marvel and Disney because they want to do another team up with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. And I'm like, you just fucking did that in Spider-Man No Way Home. You can't do that in a, a, another movie right after that, the next sequel. It's not that I don't want to see that. I, I'd love to see those two back with with Tom Holland Somewhere down the road, maybe once you get closer to Secret Wars, uh, that I think it'd be fun because it was fun to watch No Way Home. But there again, Sony doesn't give a shit about going to the well one too many times. They know that they were a part of a billion dollar movie with Spider Man No Way Home, and they want they want that again. They want more money again, and and that's that's the problem with Sony owning the rights to Spider Man and a lot of these Spider Man characters is that. It's all about a paycheck for them. Not a love of the characters. Not a love of the comics. Not a love of the fan who's who love those comics. It's all about the almighty dollar. And that's why, uh, as far as I'm concerned with Sony and their Marvel projects, I'll go see Venom 3 when it comes out. I'll go see Kraven. I'll go see other Sony movies. Uh, You know, it's not like I'm going to boycott Sony. That's, That's stupid. But as far as... Sony and their involvement in any Marvel endeavors or Marvel character endeavors, I give them the double banger, middle finger, and fuck them. Because they're what's ruining this for Marvel. Because Marvel's had a hard enough time. And anytime you think that Marvel puts out some shitty product right now, just compare that to the shit that Sony's putting out and trying to pawn off on you. At least Marvel's trying. Kevin Feige's trying. You know, they they're trying to to write the ship. They know that they've made some mistakes and Kevin Feige's having shit rewritten. Daredevil Reborn is being rewritten because what they had before was not up to a standard that he wants it to be at. And and they've done that with some of the movies that they're they're putting out as well. That's why we're only having like one Marvel movie this year. And Sony's putting out, like I think they've got like three movies, Venom uh, 3, Craven. I think those are all coming out this year, not to mention Madam Web. Because Sony's just trying to churn and burn to make as much money as they can. And it's because they don't care. They don't care about the product that's being put on the screen that they expect us to go shell our money out for. But that's my thoughts on Madame Web, a very divisive I can't even say divisive. I think everybody's fairly on board with the same opinion. We may vary in degrees as to how much we disliked it and what particularly we disliked about this, but most everybody dislikes this movie, and with good reason. But I would never tell you not to go watch it. I will say that if you watch it and you're like, Ah, I wish you would have told me so. Well, I did tell you so, so don't blame me. But go watch it, see for yourself, see what you think about it, come back and listen to my thoughts. If you didn't watch it and I just saved you, you know, however many bucks, 10 bucks for your movie ticket, uh, you're welcome. And if you did watch it like me, I'm sorry, uh, but you know, at least we have this moment together where we can commiserate about all the things we disliked. Uh, which far outweighs the things I did like about this movie. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Madam Web. You can check out more with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook and Instagram pages. We're always posting about uh, horror, fantasy, and science fiction, as well as the latest episodes. Coming up on Thursday's show, we got something cool uh, that I'm going to start doing. I'm trying to read more. And I thought a great way to encourage myself to read more because I'm a slow reader and sometimes I get so busy that I I don't take the time to read. I thought I'd make a new feature out of the books that I'm reading. So after I read a book, I'm going to do an episode called From the Shelf. And we're going to talk about the book that I just read. I just happened to finish reading Tanana Reeve Dew's Book of Short Stories, Ghost Summer Stories. And we're going to talk about that. And I'm really excited about this new feature that we're going to be doing from time to time here on the podcast. So you can catch that coming up on Thursday's episode. But please, no matter where you listen to this podcast, like, follow, subscribe to it. Leave those reviews. Five stars would be awesome. But whatever review you leave, we appreciate that. And share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So until next time.